Hi, welcome to Unleash Ministries podcast, where Pastor Nathan Sanford will guide us through daily Bible studies, prophetic revelations, and life-changing encounters with the Father's love. Join us for near daily content as we dive into the Word of God. everyone so we're gonna finish up Hebrews by doing the second half of Hebrews um, I, I think I got through to this place in Hebrews last time I'm actually gonna start at verse 7 I'm, I'm pretty sure that's kind of where I um, left off so if this is a little bit of review from Hebrews uh, 13 the first part um, that's okay because I think it needs to be reiterated anyway before we go into the rest of it so Man, this last chapter is just chocked full of stuff that I feel is so for today. It's like, oh my goodness, I, I, if, this, if I could scream so much of this from the rooftops, I think it would be, I don't know, life-changing, life-altering. If we, if we can walk in this, I don't know. I'll just shut up. Let's get to the actual text here, and then we'll talk about it. Again, if you're just listening to, to this for the first time, we're going all the way through the book of Hebrews. We've literally done chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We've talked about it in context. In other words, like who was it written to? When was it written? Why was it written? All of that stuff we've already gone over. So if you wanted to go back and listen to uh, all of that stuff, there that pretty much is, is in every single um, one of them. And so we'll probably comment on that a little bit here. But what I really want to do is just kind of step right into the text because it's so powerful and so important. So we're going to start right here. Hebrews thirteen seven says this, remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Now we, we don't necessarily know who, who it was that brought the word to them. Um, but what I what we do know is that they're falling away. Again, the Hebrew people or these Hebrews that he's writing to are tempted to fall away from the faith because they're tempted to go back to Judaism like completely, or they're tempted to kind of throw Jesus in with their Judaism. And both of these are in an attempt to not be persecuted. So they don't want to be persecuted by what are called the Judaizers, which are people who are basically teaching you have to become a Jew in order to become a Christian. And Paul like hated these people. Um, and he teaches against them in Galatians and, and lots of other places. And then you have um, the Romans who hated and were persecuting Christians as well at the time. So if these people were just to go back being Jews, they would not be persecuted by the Romans. And if they just kind of like also wouldn't be persecuted by the Jews, <laughs> and if they just kind of threw Jesus in you know, a little bit, it was like, that was okay. And the writer of Hebrews is like, that is not okay. Like none of this is okay. And he goes back to tell them. So when he says, remembering those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. What he's saying right here is he's trying to say, uh, basically like the people who gave the word to you, uh, they are still going on fire for Jesus and you need to be too. So imitate their faith and remember that they're still going after it is basically what he's saying. So verse eight, Jesus Christ, and this is an often misquoted and misapplied verse, um, not nearly as much as the one we're about to read, <laughs> but we'll go ahead and um, talk about this one. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And people use this a lot of times to kind of like justify staying in old patterns and old wineskins. Like I, I hear this from time to time, like, like Jesus is, uh, 
I don't know, like somehow he's he wants to keep singing hymns from 300 years ago. And if you if you deviate from that, you're bad and you are falling into false doctrine. And we we have to use only the the whatever, you know, these old hymns from 300 years ago, because they're the most powerful and they're the most theologically sound. And certainly God could never send any other music of any kind ever other than what we had 300 years ago, because somehow 300 years ago or 250, whatever, was the peak of all worship writing for all eternity. And I don't, I don't know where people get this idea. I think, I think what happens is there is a lot of rich theology in some of these old hymns. Um, and I think some of them are beautiful and amazing, especially, um, the words. So I don't want to discount that, but somehow people get hung up. Like somehow this is the, the, the pinnacle of the universe is these Psalms of 300 years. I'm like, you know what? God is still writing through people. God is still singing songs through people and he's still inspiring worshipers and songwriters. It's like, it's just weird. Like how people get weird about stuff like that. He's yesterday, today and forever. It's like, what is the context of this? Well, the context remember is he's trying to tell them Jesus, when you came to him, he's the same as he was then. He's the same as he is now. And he's the same forever. It's just to elevate him and elevate who Jesus is, that he's timeless and that he is, you know, I mean, he's been talking about him being God for this entire time. So basically Jesus is amazing and he's uh, never changes. Um, now he may change again, the way he does things in a certain era. We, we definitely see that through church history, but he doesn't change. So I want you guys to understand the difference. Like sometimes God does a new thing in terms of like, uh, you know, Acts chapter two, like that was like Jesus, well, Holy Spirit doing this new thing that had never occurred before. And so sometimes God does things that are sort of outside the box and people are like, nope, same yesterday, today and forever. So anyway, I just want to make that point that God is the same. Jesus, Jesus is the same, but he does things differently sometimes that are a little out of our box and against our grain. So anyway, Verse nine, do not be, oh man, is this, this hardcore? Cause it's, it's so funny that in the context where he says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right after that, he says, do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings. So I'm like, man, I have seen more varied and strange teachings in the last like five years than I have seen in my whole life. I'm 47 years old. I grew up around all different kinds of things in the body of Christ. And in my 47 years, like the last five have been the weirdest for stuff that people are teaching. But he says, do not be carried away. And see, the thing is like we, the simplicity and the power of the pure gospel is so amazing. Um, that and it's so powerful and it is never even taught it's like the pure gospel isn't taught what's taught is these weird and varied strange teachings that get your heart and mind off of the father's love and off of the pure gospel and chasing down these rabbit holes of anointings these magical anointings i just i just somebody asked me recently about i won't even say what it is he's like this is there this anointing and it was like this hebrew word that i won't even mention right now but um it was like i'm like no that it was almost like you have to go collect these seven or nine i've heard two different teachings on it you have to go collect these anointings like you collect the infinity stones and like stick them in your old school nes power glove i mean it just gets weird and it gets us off of the father's love and the simple gospel now i'm all for deep teaching and i love going all the way through the word but some of this stuff gets us off the focus of simplicity in Jesus and on to something else. And, and when you do that, you begin to 
to invite spirits in that are not that are spirits of deception that are spirits that get people off of the heart of god and onto something else so um i think that's why he's warning them like because that's what happened to them that's what happened to the hebrew people it was like these people came in with weird teachings that weren't the simple gospel began to hybridize like judaism and christianity and even some of the cults at the time and he's saying don't do that (laughs) um and i love after this he says for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace not by foods. And literally the context would be some of these strange teachings are things you physically have to do um, and, or, or not do in the sense that people were teaching like you have to eat these foods and you can't eat these foods. And, and basically it's works oriented focus. You have to do this and you can't do that. And he's making the point that some of those are the strange teachings. These works oriented focuses become some of those strange teachings for he says it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace that would be unmerited favor and the operational power of God, the free gift of grace. He says, not by foods through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. <laughs> In other words, he's saying by these weird, strange teachings, people are getting these works oriented. I have to eat that. I can't eat that. I have to do this. I can't do that. Um, and, and they're focusing on all of that instead of grace. And grace allows you to walk in way more perfected holiness than any amount of uh, works will. And it's so funny because you, you, I'll watch these people like preach till they're blue in the face about screaming about sin and repent and you know pray five times to Mecca or whatever. And, and again, I'm all for spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are good. They're awesome. They're great. But outside of grace, they are worthless. And you cannot combine the two. You can't take a little bit of grace and a little bit of law and make a new religion out of it because you'll almost every time get the worst of both worlds. Like you have to choose one or the other. And I recommend you choose grace because that the power of that will unleash you to walk in such holiness that it's like sin is just does not have power over you anymore. But anyway, that's a whole nother deal. But he's saying they're not, you're not benefited at all by performing these little things. He says, verse 10, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. <laughs> so in other words, he's basically saying the altar, we have an altar, those who serve the tabernacle, meaning the, the priests, uh, the Jewish priests that are serving the tabernacle, um, they have no right to eat of it because they have not come in through grace. They're still trying to come in through law. Verse 11, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. And he's just saying, like, that literally is what happens. They would bring the bodies in, they would sacrifice them, and burn them outside the camp. Verse 12, therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate, meaning his actual death and resurrection were outside the gates of the city, outside of Jerusalem. So let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. So what is he saying? He's like saying, look, Jesus suffered and died outside the camp because he was the sacrifice for our sins, just like the old covenant had animals who were sacrificed for our sins, burned outside the camp. And he's saying, let us go outside the camp bearing his reproach, meaning we need to go outside of Judaism in order to, and we're going to bear a reproach. Like people are not going to like it. People are going to attack us. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be easy. That's basically what he's saying. 
especially for them, because he's saying, look, we need to go outside of Jerusalem, or in other words, outside of Judaism to, to get Jesus. That's basically what he's saying. So he's saying you cannot be a Jew in, in, in the sense of keeping the covenants and all of that um, and believing in that for your salvation or your holiness and still follow Christ, which is, again, the same point he's been making this entire time. So he says, for we do not have a lasting city, meaning they thought that Jerusalem was the lasting city. You know, this was where it was all going to take place. And of course, about five years after this was written, the whole thing got destroyed. And he's saying, but we are seeking the city which is to come, which would be a heavenly city, a redeemed Jerusalem, like this kind of a thing. So that's what he's talking about. And then he says, verse 15, through him, meaning Jesus, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And I love this because he's like, through him then. So he's like, well, what other sacrifices now? Well, he's basically saying they're not blood and goats anymore. It's actually a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And I, did, I mean, he's literally saying, thank God. And so I, I just think that we need to be reminded right now in this hour that one of the powers that we are given as a sacrifice to God is to actually say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We praise you, Jesus. We lift your name on high. I mean, whatever that comes out of your mouth, that's basically saying, I love you. I am so thankful. I lift your name. There is power in that. And he's like, let's continually do that and literally have this come out our lips, which is what he says. And verse 16, and do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. And see, here's the, here's the powerful, interesting thing. He always, in every writer of the New Testament, by the way, you'll find this, they always separate like works from faith. Um, you know, in other words, they'll say, look, here is what we believe. Here is who we are in Christ Jesus. This is the gospel. And then this is how you need to act. So to see the, he basically says the sacrifices are simply praise to God, like give him thanks. Like this is what we are doing. And he says, look, don't neglect doing good and sharing. Like that's important too. It is not tied at all to like salvation or sanctification or any of that. He's just simply reminding them like, this is who you are. So don't neglect in doing those good things because those please God. Of course they do, because you're doing good and sharing and blessing other people. Why wouldn't you be pleased by that? Okay, we are now going to jump into um, what I've been putting off, uh, which is the next verse. So I'm going to set the context of this, uh, which is basically this, that in seminary, this particular verse, we actually had like a, a forum. I don't know what you call it. I guess I'll call it that. I was going to call it a moratorium, but I think that's a little extreme. So we had a forum when I was in seminary. They actually called us all together. It was probably like, I don't know, six weeks before graduation or something like that. And the whole, and they actually told us beforehand, like, this is what we're going to do. We, we are going to sit with all of you. We're going to have a question and answer time who are all of us who are going to graduate, um, you know, with our master's degrees or our doctorates or whatever we were getting at that time. And we're going to sit down and we're going to go over this one verse with you. <laughs> and we are actually going to look at it in Greek. We're going to chop it up. We're going to exegete it. We're going to, we're going to discuss it. And we're going to, you know, we're just going to literally dive into this one verse. <laughs> and so, and, um, you know, at, 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 I remember the whole uh, thing came out. It was like, uh, it was like an email and we also got a physical paper cause it's like a hundred years ago when people gave a physical paper, 
um, in seminary. I think this was around like 2004. It was like right before I graduated. And they sent this thing out and we were all like, wow, they're, they're, this is like really serious. And I remember <laughs> thinking like, man, this is like, and it was kind of like this, it was like mandatory, but not mandatory. Like they couldn't really make us go, but they really, really, really encouraged us to go. And so anyway, um, it, it, the, what it ended up being was this actual verse, Hebrews thirteen seventeen. And I, I am so appreciative of, of my seminary, Denver Seminary, and shout out to anyone from Denver Seminary profs that are, had gotten a hold of this. Thank you guys so much, and ladies so much, and women who, who taught us as well um, that for this. They actually said, look, we really don't, they basically said this verse can and has been used by church leadership to be so um, hurtful, divisive, and used to manipulate and control people. And we so don't want you to do that, that we are going to have a long discussion about it. And so here is the verse that we sat for an hour and a half, two hours, whatever it was, and went over it. And I will tell you what they told us. And I'm so appreciative for this. They said, Hebrews 13, 17 is the most distorted and misused scripture in the Bible, or at least it has been in the past to manipulate and control congregations. And they really didn't want us to do that. So Hebrews 13, 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them. So right there, you can already see why this would be uh, a verse used in a very improper way. It says, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. So, okay, so let's go back to that whole thing. Obey your leaders and submit to them. And it's like this verse has been used from pulpits to basically yell at congregants to tell them to do whatever the pastor says. Now, I, I want you to understand, by the way, this uh, that's just yucky. Like if you have a pastor or leader who's doing this to you in any way, like you better do what we say and you better serve and you better do that and you have to do this and you did to do. And, and oftentimes they don't say it like that. Like they'll be really nice about it, but it still is them telling you to do it no matter how fluffy and nice the package is that comes to you. Um, I, I just want to say no. I'm not saying don't obey your leaders. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, I'm all for honor. I'm all for, um, you know, coming under leadership and honoring them and obeying them, you know, in Christ. I'm, I'm all for that. But I want you to understand uh, something. So this word, obey your leaders and submit to them, does not mean do every single thing they say for you to do. So, like, do everything they say without question. That, that isn't the word obey. In fact, the word is pethaste, is is that Greek word there, obey. And it doesn't mean do every single thing that they say. And in fact, some translations won't translate, won't translate this, obey your leaders. They'll say um, something like regard them or remember them or listen and give ear to them. And uh, basically what he's saying here is don't do every single thing they say. He's saying, let them have influence on you is what he's saying. He's not saying do every single thing they say and submit to them in the sense that you do everything they say all the time. Um, he, he's not saying that. He's saying, look, allow your leaders to have healthy influence over you. Allow your leaders to have a good um, influence on your life, which is, again, why some translations, I think the NLT says, remember your leaders or says something like, recall your leaders um, and submit to them. Uh, not even say, say submit. It'll say something like, remember your leaders and honor them or something like that. 
Um, so basically what he's saying is don't do and that's what they wanted to get across to us in Patheste was not like do everything your leaders say so we couldn't teach people they had to do that. <laughs> it was like we need to teach people that it was good to allow your leadership to have influence over you, not to control you, but to allow them to speak into your life. Like that's basically what they're saying. So in other words, allow them a place to speak into your life. It doesn't mean do every single thing they say. So I want you guys who are hearing this to never allow yourselves to come under a teaching like that because that can be very destructive. And it doesn't mean obey in terms of do everything they say. It literally, the word patheste means, um, you know, think highly of them, regard them highly. In other words, persuade or urge is what obey means. So it's like, in other words, allow them to persuade you, allow them to have influence, allow them to speak into you. That's what it means, not do everything they say. I just want everyone to hear that right now. For they keep watch over your souls as those who give an account. So certainly these your leadership should be praying for you, should be caring for you, all of that. And he's basically saying, let them do this with joy and not grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. In other words, like don't make it hard on them. I mean, the whole, the whole point here is like, don't make it hard on your leaders, like honor them by allowing them to have influence in your life. That's what he's saying. Don't do every single thing that they say blindly. And somehow this is honoring God. Like that's, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, he's basically saying, honor them by allowing them to have influence in your life. And he's saying, by doing that, you won't grieve them, but you'll, um, it'll be with joy that they'll get to bring this forth. Cause you're not constantly battling them. You're not constantly, you know, coming up against what they're saying. Like that's what he's trying to get people not to do. Um, then he says this, pray for us. So it's really good that you pray for your leaders, for we are sure that we have a good conscience desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. So he's saying, pray for us. Like we're positive that we we're, we at least are don't know of anything that we're doing that's wrong because we want to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. And he says, and I urge you all the more to do this so that I may be restored to you the sooner. And it's almost like whoever's writing this, um, whoever the leader is that has authority over this group of Jewish people that have come to Christ, he's like, I urge you like basically to pray all for us so their prayer actually will come, will allow them to come to them sooner. So I, I just want you guys to see in this context, it's all over the place, but right here, the power of prayer by these people praying for their leaders was going to allow them to physically come back more quickly simply because of the prayer. So I want you guys just to hear that. So Hebrews 13, 20. Now the God of peace who brought up from the dead, the great shepherd, meaning Jesus of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus, our Lord equip you. This is his prayer to God for them equip you in every good thing, to do his will. And I just want to point out like uh, us as leaders need to be praying for anybody who would look to us as a leader in this way. It's like number one, not only this way, I'm just saying this is like uh, the, how the, uh, the author of Hebrews is praying for them. And I just think that it's just a good thing to look at and go, we need to kind of pray in this way too, at least in a, in a general sense. So he says, even Jesus, he says, I pray that you will be basically equipped in every good thing to do his will. So one of the things we're supposed to pray is that people would be equipped. They would exactly what leaders are supposed to do, which is, <coughs> oh, excuse me. I don't think I've ever, um, <coughs> I don't think I've ever sneezed um, in the middle of a podcast. Wow, that was out of nowhere. Okay, anyways, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this. I'm allergic to the sun. So when I look out the window into the sun, I start sneezing. Anybody else allergic to the sun? Woo, woo. Anyway, um, he says, verse 21, uh, so we're praying that everyone would be equipped with every good thing 
to do his will. I love that. It's like, I'm going to pray that you're equipped with every gift of the spirit, every monetary blessing, every character blessing, everything so that you can do his will working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. So I'm going to pray that everyone who I listen to, I listen to everyone that listens to me, everyone that would look to me as a spiritual authority or receive any kind of teaching from me, I'm going to pray for them that they would be equipped in every good thing to do his will. I just think that's awesome. And then he says, verse 22, but I urge you, brethren, bear with this word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. In other words, I'm praying for you, but I urge you also to remember what I just told you the last 13 chapters of Hebrews. Um, for That was actually the short version. <laughs> so I don't know what the long version would be, but he's basically saying, listen to everything I said. It's super important. And he says, take notice that our brother Timothy has been released. With, and this is why sometimes we don't think this was written by Paul, is because Paul usually calls Timothy his son, not his brother. So not always, but um, at least I can remember off the top of my head. But anyway, he calls that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom, if he comes soon, I will see you. He says, greet all of your leaders and all the saints. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. So, um, and that is the end. So I want you guys to know that we are going to now head into, I think God is speaking to me about first Peter. So we're going to head into first Peter chapter by chapter, verse by verse, tear this sucker apart. We're going to go to town and see what Peter has to say and release the kingdom of God and the power and the presence of Holy spirit to absolutely rock and change lives. And it's just going to get better from here. Um, I love you guys. Let's keep doing this. God is so amazing. He's doing an outpouring in this hour. It's so powerful. And let's get rooted in the word so that we have not just the spirit, but we have the word. We have not just the experience, but we have the theology. We need both. We need the father's love, the massive encounter with God, an absolute experience in him. And we need to be rooted and grounded in faith and in the word of God and in great theology. So anyway, we're going to heal the sick. We're going to raise the dead and we're not going to get weird and off as, but as much as we can. I'm not saying like we're infallible. I'm just saying well, as much as we can, we're going to stay rooted in the word. I, I believe by staying rooted in the word, you not only see the miracles, power, signs and wonders, speaking in tongues, glory, fire, all of that, but being rooted in the word, you, you, protect yourself from deception, which is part of the reason we have the word. So anyway, I love you guys. And I will talk to you very soon about Peter. Thank you for listening to Unleash Ministries podcast. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by an encounter with the Father's love poured out through his word. If you would desire to bless this ministry financially, please visit www.unleashedchurch.org and click on the give link. Thank you.